We are going to conclude our series today on Jesus. I want to talk to you a little bit about Jesus being the answer. Jesus is the answer. He's the answer for a lot of questions in our lives. But today there's a specific question that I believe Jesus is answering. Job asked, you can write it down in your Bibles, the book of Job, chapter 14, verse 14. Job asked, if a man die, shall he live again? If a man die, shall he live again? And I believe Jesus is the answer to that question. Somebody get excited about that today. Amen? Amen. If a man dies, shall he live again? Now, today I want to talk about a couple different forms of death, but I will conclude with talking about physical death. The first one, I want to talk to you about the death of dreams, the death of opportunities. Because many of us in this world have seen things didn't go the way we thought they were supposed to go, or maybe even this year, you might be feeling like you're standing in the middle of a valley of dead bones. But you know Jesus is the answer for that valley of dead bones. Amen? Amen? The life of Jesus, the life that he brings into your life can resurrect any dream in any opportunity. Amen. I want to talk to you about those that are dead in sin. Those that are dead in sin. That Jesus is the answer for those dead in sin. Amen. And finally, eternal life. I want to talk to you about eternal life today. Really lean heavily on eternal Life. I want to make sure everyone in this room and everyone watching on the internet today, you have opportunity to give your life to Jesus Christ so that this life is not all there is. You have a lot more life coming even when this life is over. Amen? So are you ready? You ready to get into the scripture? Yep. We had a great Thanksgiving. Everyone good with Thanksgiving now? You've all had more carbs than you're allowed in one natural lifetime. Everybody's good? All right. This is my friend, Sam the Skeleton over here. He did not eat the carbs like he was supposed to. This is what happens when you just do the paleo diet, my friend, that's it. This is what happens. You need some bread, amen? Come on now. Open your Bibles, if you would please, to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37. The book of Ezekiel, chapter 37. This is the Old Testament prophet, Ezekiel. He has an encounter with God, and in this moment, God takes him to a valley of dried bones, Amen. which is where my friend comes in here. Ezekiel 37, if, you have, if you're new to your Bible and you don't know where that is, it's in the Old Testament. You can go to your table of contents. I really want to give you time to get there, Ezekiel 37. So Ezekiel is a prophet, an Old Testament prophet. God comes to him and gives him this vision. This is where we find him in verse 1. The Lord took a hold of me and was carried away and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor, and they were scattered everywhere across the ground, and they were completely dried out. Underline that in your Bibles, if you would, please. Completely dried out. Then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? See, it's a similar question to what Job asked when Job said, can the dead live? If a man dies, can he live again? In this in particular moment, God is asking Ezekiel this same question. If these bones, which are dead, and not only are they dead, but they are dried up, which kind of gives you the idea that they've been dead a long time. Does anyone have a dream or something in their life that looks like it's dead and it's dry and maybe that promise 
You know, it's been years and years since God spoke it to you, and yet here the Spirit of God, here's the thing, when God's Spirit begins to speak to you about something, He's not looking at the natural circumstances, He's, he's looking for your faith. Amen. He's looking for your response to what He is asking you this question for, amen? And so in this moment, here's these bones, these scattered dreams, these scattered lives, these dried bones, and God is asking Ezekiel, can these bones live? Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? And his response was, oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. <laughs> then he asked me to speak a prophetic message to these bones. And I'm believing today that this is a prophetic message. Amen. And that it's going forward today to these dreams, Amen. to these promises, to these disappointments, to these expectations. And it doesn't matter if it's a valley of dried bones. It doesn't matter if it's been dead a long time, if God is resurfacing it, if God is bringing it back to your attention, then God is saying, my spirit will go forth in my word and my spirit and my word will do what I send it forth to do. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. And so now the question is, are you open to God doing something with those dreams again? Are you willing to believe again and ask God, God, speak into this situation? Speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. I love it that these dry bones have to obey the word of the Lord. Amen. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and I'm going to make you live again. I will put flesh and muscle on you and I will cover you with skin. I will put breath into you I will come to, and you will come to life then you will know that I am the Lord. I love this whole imagery because God is taking the responsibility to put the life in and then now you start thinking, but God, how's it all gonna come together? Don't we try to figure that out sometimes? God, how's that dream gonna come back to life? How are you gonna do it? And God is sitting here saying, I'll take care of this. All I need you to do is say yes to the word. All I need you to do is start speaking what I'm speaking towards that dream or towards that purpose or towards that plan. God knows how to bring the bones together. Amen. And not only that, he doesn't just bring the bones together, he knows how to put flesh on those bones. Amen. See, that's all the details. God is going to leave anything half done or undone. Someone get excited about that. God is not just gonna put pieces together, he's also gonna do all the other details to get this body moving. Amen. To get this dream moving, amen. And he's gonna put his life on the inside of it. He's gonna breathe his life on the inside of it. Amen. Praise God. So I spoke the message, just as he told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise. Amen. Man. Someone get excited because there's a sound of a rattling noise happening while we're sitting in church today. There's this sound, and I even feel it even in some of the dreams and the callings of Calvary. There's this sound of things that are starting to move and starting to shift, and there's a sound of this church and the destiny that's been upon this church coming to pass in this time and in this season. And it's a work of God. It's not a work of any one individual. Praise God for our leaders. We're grateful for that. But everyone, we are blessed to be in on what God is doing. This is a work of God. All these new members, that's the sound of a rattling going on. 
people jumping into small groups. That's the sound of rattling. There are people getting involved in volunteering. Our kids' county fair and 2,000 people showing up. Everyone, we hear the sound of dreams coming back together. There are people that are in heaven today that gave money to the dream of Calvary and it didn't happen in their lifetime. But God is bringing the body. He's bringing the bones. He's putting his spirit and you get to be a part of that work of God. Amen. You know, the Bible doesn't even tell us why all these bones were scattered in the valley. We don't know what happened to cause your dream to die. We don't know what traumatic events have occurred throughout the story of your journey, Calvary's journey or whatever. But when God starts moving, it doesn't matter why the bones are there because it's his story he's writing. It's not about the story that caused the bones. It's about the story he's writing with them now. Come on, somebody say amen or something or my head's gonna explode. Woo! Man, and he's bringing the flesh and he's bringing the muscle and this body will rise. And the same thing with the calls and the dreams in your life. Amen, that God has promised. There was a rattling across the valley, the bones each of these, the bones of each of these bodies came together and they attached themselves as complete skeletons. Right, Sam? As complete skeleton, nothing missing. Then as I watched, the muscles and the flesh formed over the bones. The skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. And then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these bodies, these dead bodies, so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies, and they came to life, and they stood up on their feet, a great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, we have become old dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore prophesy to them and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Oh, my people, I will open your graves of exile. I will cause you to rise again and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, oh, my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you and you will live again. Return home to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done what I have said. Yes, the Lord has spoken it. So this vision of Ezekiel was a prophetic word about the scattering of Israel across the world into exile. And we can see in some of our lifetimes, it's a little before my lifetime, but in many of the lifetimes in this room, when Israel became a nation again. And from that point on, year after year, the exiles from all over the world have been moving back to the nation of Israel. Are you understanding what I'm saying right now? Why do I bring that up? Because this was a dream, this was a vision. Do you understand that for like 1500 years or so or a couple thousand years, Israel had been scattered across the world and it looked like this was never going to happen. But every time you turn on the television and you see Israel as a state and you see Israel having a homeland and people moving back to Israel, this scripture is being fulfilled in your lifetime. Amen. And why is that important? Because God is faithful to his word. He never forgets a promise. It looked impossible. Come on now. 
it looked impossible, and there have been nations of the world that have resisted it from happening, but when God said it's going to happen, it doesn't matter how many enemies are around, God's going to do what God said he's going to do. And when he said that these bones will live, and he said that they were going to come back together and create a great army, he was aware of the challenges, but he knew what he was going to do. Amen. And so I bring that to you because it fits in this image here of dreams and, and, and promises. If God in this illustration of the nation of Israel knows how to bring his nation up out of the world where it's been scattered and knows how to bring them together as a nation, God knows how to bring the things he's promised over your life to pass. And it may look like it's been a long time, and it may look impossible, and it may look like all the odds are against you, but God knows when he says, can these bones live? Can the dead live again? He knows how to bring these things together. He's not asking you a metaphorical question. He's just asking you to believe him. He's asking you to start speaking to it again. Speaking to the dream, speaking to the vision, speaking to the, you might be standing in the middle of dried bones right now. You say, how does this relate to Jesus? I, I get the prophetic thing with Israel and God being faithful to a promise because Jesus, now we're getting back into Jesus now. Jesus was God's answer to the hopeless situation of mankind being lost and fallen in sin. Amen. Do you see that? There was a vision, there was a dream of God to have a family in the earth, to to walk with man in the cool of the day, to where God and man were a family together, but man sinned. And in sinning, man was expelled from the garden and man was pushed all over a world and and in in a world that was now under a curse. And so like scattered bones, God's children and God's family are scattered around the earth. And that dream of a family that dream of God having interaction with human beings to walk with them and talk with them and to father them, that dream was scattered all over the planet and for thousands of years, sin dominated and Satan dominated. But then in steps Jesus. In steps Jesus. You see, eye had not seen and ear had not heard how that was going to come about, but God had a plan. God knew how to bring his kids back. God knew how to fulfill his promise. It didn't matter that it had been a few thousand years. It didn't matter that people had been living in this this curse and that no one could see a way out. God knew how to make a way. And he knew how to not only bring Israel back into a nation, but even greater, he knew how to make his kingdom nation. He knew how to make his eternal nation. Amen. Through Jesus Christ. Christ. And so I bring that to your attention today because that was my first question. Can the, if a man dies, shall he live again? There's this anointing, there's this, this fulfilling of Jesus as a promise keeper that if you are in the middle of a promise from God and it looks like it has died and it looks like that dream is old and dry, like it's never going to happen, God knows how to bring dead things back to life. And in steps Jesus every single time. In steps Jesus every single time. So I encourage you today, if you've had a year, first of all, I'd like us to stop focusing on how bad 2020 has been and let's start focusing on how good God is. And if certain things have died, 
in 2020, certain dreams, certain businesses, certain financial things, whatever, God knows how to bring those bodies back to life. God knows how to bring details back together, even if they're dried up. You know, Lazarus was in the grave for four days and his sisters, when Jesus said, I'm fixing to raise him up, that's fixing, that's a Southern thing, fixing to raise him up. The sister said, but he stinketh. Like God cares that he stinketh. It's like, but he's been dead too long. Your dream has been dead too long. Stop looking at the natural. When God said, Israel become a nation, it was time. The fullness of time had come. When it was time for the fullness of time, God sent his son into the earth to save humanity. And it looked like we would be lost forever. The devil thought he won and he never never wins because God has an answer and his name is Jesus. Come on. His name is Jesus. Amen. Can these bones live? Yes, because of Jesus. Can the person dead in sin live again? Open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Book of Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to read verses 1 through 8. Ephesians is in the New Testament. If you've been dead in sin, what do you do with this? Can you live again? Some of us, we've been walking in bondages and we've been walking in sin patterns, but Jesus has come to resurrect you out of those sin patterns, to resurrect you out of that life that's been dead because of sin. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. See, this goes back to Job's question. If a man dies, can he live again? Well, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit that works in the heart of those who refuse to obey God. Can you put a pause there for a second? Let me say something. I said this a few weeks ago, but I'll say it again because people forget. I remember, but you might have forgotten. (laughs) Sometimes when people haven't committed their lives to Jesus, they have a statement. They say, well, I'm not serving God and I don't serve the devil. My friend, there are only two kingdoms. You don't get a kingdom. (laughs) You are either serving God or you're serving the devil. Now, the devil will let you walk in deception and make you think that you're the king of your little kingdom. Until the end of your life, Amen. when his kingdom comes a calling. Amen. Amen? But it's important that we remember here, it says you were lost in sin, you were dead in sin, and you were obeying the, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. Amen. Okay, you refused to obey God, and, and, and in that, that means you were obeying the devil. Amen. Okay? All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God, come on. Anytime you see that, my friends, I'm going to teach you to get excited about what you see in the scripture. Don't you dare read something like that and not stop and say, thank you, Jesus, or stop and get the revelation of that. Look, you were dead in sin. You were a puppet of the devil, but God, but God. 
See, that was your destiny. That was your valley of dried bones. That was your hopeless situation because you couldn't get yourself out from underneath the devil's foot. You can't resurrect yourself. You were dead and the dead can't bring itself back to life. But in step Jesus, in step the life giver, in step the solution and the answer of God. He could have left us dead in sin. He could have left us as puppets of the devil, but God refused to do that. He refused in his good, great mercy to watch us sit there and slide into eternal hell and he stepped in and stopped that story and he started writing a new story. Come on now. Come on. But God, so rich in mercy. And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of sin, he gave us life. We didn't buy it. We didn't earn it. We were totally dead and the life giver came in and he gave us life. When he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and he seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Not only did he give us forgiveness, he gave us a seat with him. He gave us position. He gave us authority in him. Man, do you see what he did? There's one thing to pull someone out of slavery. It's one thing to just say you're forgiven. It's another thing to position them, to seat them in the highest chair of the universe, right? We are seated with him in heavenly places. He then gave us his name. And so now the, the devil's foot used to be on our neck and now like this, your foot is on the devil's neck and he is under your feet. Come on, he is under your feet. You didn't do that. He did that. Jesus did that for you. Jesus did that for you. And you didn't earn it and you didn't qualify for it. But Jesus did that for you. He didn't just, even though that would have been awesome, he didn't just forgive you of sin. He positioned you somewhere. He gave you an an authority. He gave you a dominion in a kingdom that will know no end. Isn't that awesome? I get excited about these things. I get excited about them because they're, they blow my imagination away that God pays attention to us in the first place. And secondly, that he didn't just forgive us, but then he made you into someone. He made you into someone that now has victory on the inside, victory in this life. Amen? Amen. So God can point to us in all the future ages as examples of his incredible wealth of grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he's done for us who are united in Christ Jesus. I love that because it's like God, throughout the eternal future, God will point to us and our story and they'll say, do you see what I did there? God will say, look what I did there. That's, that's my love at work. Look what we did there. Look at, look at what I did there. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. One more time, can you just celebrate and thank God for salvation, forgiveness? Can a person who's dead in sin, can they live again? The answer is what? Yes. And that yes is the name Jesus. Yes. See, I love that when God even talked about being dead in sin and all the situation of our lives and bondages, that he, 
He's not intimidated by the size of your sin. He's not intimidated by the size of your sin. He's, he's wanting you to see the size of his son, the size of the savior, the size of the blood, the size and the power of his goodness and of his grace. Amen. So can someone dead in sin, can they live again? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. Many of us can attest to that. We were, we were dead in our sins. But yes, because of Jesus, we get to live again. So now here's the main focus today. I wanted to talk about dreams in the beginning, and I don't want to forget about Sam, because Sam has really laid it all on the line for our illustration today. I mean, Sam has put himself out there. So I want us to see the idea of the Valley of Dry Bones. Please don't forget that illustration because your dreams or what God's promised you, man, it's taken such a long time or those bones look dead or they're dry. Again, the Bible never tells us, first of all, the story of why those bones existed. We don't know why your dreams, all, everyone in this room has a story, Amen. right? Amen. Everyone in this room has a story, a disappointment, um, a lost hope, a lost dream, something like that. But if God has promised and God has begun speaking to you and saying, can those bones live? He's resurrecting that dream. He's stirring. The rattling is coming on the inside. Oh, yeah. Then lean into that. Don't look at it and say, oh, that was 10 years ago, God talking about that. Why am I thinking about it now? And you start putting it out of your mind. No. If that's starting to come back into your mind, that's the rattling. Oh, yeah. That's the rattling. But, you know, 10 years ago, you thought it was impossible then. It's got to be more impossible now. God lives outside of time. He's not sitting there saying, oh, that's 10 years older than it was. Amen? Amen. And if God knew how to bring, I, I love that illustration, how to bring Israel. So every time you see Israel come together as a nation on the news, you just say, man, if God can do that, then God can do what he said he's going to do in my life. Come on. And then the same thing, what God the, the situation of mankind lost and scattered and in a valley of death of dried bones, lost in darkness, in steps Jesus, he knew how to bring his family back. He knew how not only to bring an earthly nation of Israel back, he knew how to make a kingdom of priests. Okay, which you're a part of, and the answer is Jesus. So I don't want you to forget Sam's illustration here today. And then the next question was, can someone dead in sin live again? My friend, the solution of God towards your sin is so much greater. Jesus is an overpayment for any one of our sins. Amen. If your sin cost $1,000, Jesus was $10 quadrillion to pay for your sin. Oh, yeah. Don't overestimate the, 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 your sin. You know what I mean? Sometimes our sin is so bad. Well, his son is so much greater. Okay? His son is so much greater. The blood of God, right? The blood of God was shed for an overpayment for our sin. So don't let the devil lie to you and tell you that you're too lost, that you're too sinful, that you're too, uh, too corrupt. You know, sometimes we have these light sins. Well, I'm just a liar. Not that any sin is light. One sin's enough to send you to hell, right? Come on, we gotta realize those things. But sometimes we, we human beings have categories of sin. Oh, I, was, I wasn't a bad person, but I wasn't a great person. I just kinda lied a little bit, kinda a little bit of selfishness, a little bit of bitterness, a little bit of greed. At least I didn't kill anybody, as if that's like the one thing, right? Well, I never killed anybody. Well, I'm, well, first of all, we shouldn't say, hey, good job not killing anybody. Like you did some great thing by not killing anybody. Like, well done, so proud of you for not killing anybody. You really got a line there, you know? But this idea that sometimes people are like, but I'm so perverse and if people only knew what I did, first of all, 
God already knows what Amen. you've done. Amen. I know I've said this three times in this church, but I want us to get this into our, our culture and our language here. Look, when you ask God to forgive you, when you confess your sin, it's not when God finds out about it, okay? It's not like you're saying, God, I did this, and he's like, what? <laughs> Gabriel, did you hear what he just did? Are you kidding me? Look, God was already there. When you confess your sin, isn't when he finds out about it, it's when you release it. It's when you get rid of it. It's when you let the light of truth shine upon it and God can purge it from your conscience so that it's not plaguing you and shaming you and the devil controlling you with that. That's why confession is good for you. It's a good thing. Sometimes we think confessing your sin is like some sort of a punishment. No, confessing your sin is when God can put truth where the devil's been manipulating the lie, where the devil's been putting you back into slavery. And now God can say, you and I have worked that out. My blood covers that and you're set free from it now. And you don't have to think about it again and you can get on with your life. Somebody get excited about these things. Amen. But now, I want to talk to you about eternal life. Because the Bible says that human beings are in bondage because of this fear of death. Amen. This fear of death that we have, that we all share. Because we know two things in life. We're going to pay taxes and we're going to die. Amen. <laughs> I just want to really reassure you today. I'm grateful we've had fun and we've enjoyed this, but I want to assure you today because the Bible takes your understanding of eternal life very seriously. Amen. Because that fear really does control us and it, and it affects how we live and how we have peace and even when other people die that we love, how we, how we mourn and move to comfort and all these things. So today, I want to give you many, many verses because I don't want you to take Pastor Kevin's word for it. My word means nothing. But I want you to hear the word of God Amen. that reminds you in an answer to Job's question, if a man dies, can he live again? Can we just hear the word of God for a little bit on eternal life? Anyone up for that? You just want to hear about eternal life today? Maybe you lost somebody in 2020, but they knew Jesus. Come on now. But they knew Jesus. They are not sad that they have finished their race. They are not sad because there's a crown of life laid up for them. They are not mourning on the side they are on as they behold his face and they rejoice in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Every tear is wiped away. No more pain, no more sorrow. Jesus said in John chapter 11, 25, he said, I myself am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, adheres to, trusts in, and relies on me, although he may die, yet shall he live. Hallelujah. There you go, Job. That's God answering your question. You, if a man die, shall he live? Amen. If they believe in Jesus, Amen. he shall live. Thank you, Jesus. you know, my grandmother was a Jehovah Witness. And Maria and I would sit at the table with her and we would try to talk to her about faith in Jesus Christ. And she would put up these walls and, and she wouldn't want to listen to any of these things about giving your life to Jesus or eternal life. And her mindset was ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Basically, when a person dies, you just cease to exist. 
I remember watching an interview with um, a big prominent, you know, uh, talk show host. And this talk show host had their spiritual advisor there. And someone brought up the question about what happens after you die. And, and their answer to that person was, we just don't think about it. Well, it's still coming. But I want us to hear this. I love, I wanted my grandmother to know Jesus and she never chose to, but she chose to believe that after death there was nothing. Maybe that's where you are. You just think when, when you die, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, there's nothing. Or maybe you do the, the thing the talk show host did. You just keep running faster and faster and hope death never catches up with you. My friend, there is death coming. You're not going to avoid it. And when we die, do we just cease to exist? All of you, all the talents, all the love, all the experiences, all that you are, does it just disappear into nothingness? What do the scriptures say? That's what I want to know. I want to know what God says about it, what the Bible says about it, what, what God in the flesh, Jesus, first, first of all, the one who passed through death and came out the other side. I want to know what he has to say about it. Come on, somebody. I don't care what the talk show host said. I don't care about what prophet so-and-so who wrote a book said. I want to know what the one that died on a cross, was buried and went to hell on our behalf and was raised on the third day. He didn't just come back to life. He went through death and came out the other side of it. Come on now. I want to know what he has to say about eternal life. Come on. He's the only one that qualifies to talk about it. Pastor's got his angry face on. It's not angry, it's passion. He's got his angry eyes like Mr. Potato Head. Here's your angry eyes. Matthew chapter 22. Just write these verses down, would you? Matthew 22, 31 through 33. But about the resurrection of the dead, Jesus speaking. About the resurrection of the dead. Because see, people have asked this question for years. Have you not read what God said to you, that I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob? See, he is not the God of the dead, but of the living. He didn't say I was the God of Abraham. He didn't say I was the God of Isaac or I was the God of Jacob. He said, I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. Why? Because with God, they're still living. This is thousands of years after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But God doesn't speak about them in the past tense. Why? Because they didn't disappear. They're with the Lord. You see this. And so he was testifying here to people who are questioning about the afterlife. He said, didn't you hear when God said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob? He is not the God of the dead. He is the God of the living. Amen. John 3, amen. John 3, 15 and 16. Jesus speaking, so that every one of you who believes in him will have eternal life. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone, how many of you is an everyone? Raise your hand if you're an everyone. Amen. About 75% of you are an everyone. The other 25% don't know exactly what you are yet, but we will deal with that at another time. That everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. John chapter 5, verse 24, Jesus speaking, I tell you the truth. 
Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never, here's that word, come on now. They will never be condemned for their sins. They have already passed from death to life. You wonder what's it going to be like when I stand before God one day. Jesus has already told you. That if your faith is in Jesus, that appointment with God is not about condemning you of your sin. It's about being welcomed into eternity. Amen. Amen. It's about receiving the reward of the labor that you've worked here on the earth. John 640, for it is my father's will that all who see his son and believe in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up in the last day. John chapter 10, verse 27, 28, my sheep hear my voice, Jesus speaking, I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. There is none of this ashes to ashes, dust to dust stuff. You may shut your eyes here, but when you open them, you're in heaven. You're with God in glory. You're in eternity. Amen. Amen. I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Romans 5.21. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. No, nope, 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 nope. No, no golf clap in there. No little half heart clap in there. Come on now. Come on. It's eternal life. Come on. This is eternal life, my friend. This is assurance. You put your faith in Jesus Christ. You're saying, but Pastor Kevin, you're reading so many verses. I know. Because you need to know overwhelmingly that you have eternal life in Jesus Christ. This isn't some side theology. This isn't some hidden thing that we kind of interpreted. This is throughout the scripture. This was one of the reasons Jesus came, was to bring you from death to life and to live eternally. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9, God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. It's not on your good works, it's on him. First John chapter 5, 11, and this is what God has testified. I love it. Anyone want the testif- testif- test- testimony? I was gonna say testification, but that's not a word. <laughs> Anyone want the testimony of God? If God was on the stand, what would he testify? Amen? And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. And last one. 1 John chapter 5, verse 12 through 13. And there's more. I just need to release you before y'all, you know, before the day, you know, is gone. There's more and more. I just need to release you at some point today. Whoever has the son. How many of you have the son? Raise your hand. Amen. And that's, that's it right there. It's not hard. Amen. I have people come up to me and say, Pastor Kevin, your message is so simple. I know. Isn't that great? <laughs> it doesn't take a rocket science to figure it out. Hallelujah. He who has the son has life. How many of you have the son? You have life. You have life. Whoever does not have the son. It's easy math. Whoever does not have the son does not have life. In conclusion, 
I've written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. God wants you to know that you know that you know. So whether your loved one in Christ passes away or someday when you have that appointment and you pass from this life to the next, that you have peace, that you have assurance. Oh, and, and, and here's the other thing. We have a responsibility because we're the only ones that can give this assurance through Christ to somebody else. No other religion, no other social group, no other person. It's, there is one name by where men can be saved, and it is the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 1030 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.